0: So that's from a movie called The Emperor's Club, if you've ever seen it, pretty good. I love what he talks about in that clip. There was a phrase that really caught my attention. He says, great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. And then he asks, what will your contribution be? He's saying, all your conquests, your victories, your successes are meaningless. They lack any sort of significance without contribution. That kind of shook me when I watched that clip. And to be honest, today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the idea of being successful, but we're also going to talk about this idea of being significant and how there's a difference between success and significance in the kingdom of God. Does anyone here know someone who is very successful? Just raise your hand if you know anyone who's very successful. Absolutely. 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 Uh, my family. I know lots of people in my family are pretty darn successful. If anyone knows my brother, Doug, he is pretty successful. He's a, calm, a columnist for a local paper. And then he has a talk show. A talk show. 4 to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. Drive time. Does anyone know the, the name of the talk show? Live. Live from Seattle with Doug Bird. Yeah. What, how did they let my brother on a talk show? <laughs> Unbelievable, but very successful. Uh, The other day, I was on an interview panel with two other pastors. Uh, So we're interviewing uh, a gentleman who is trying to get his license uh, for Foursquare. And the pastor to my right, he goes, he, he, he holds up his iPad. He goes, hey, look at this song. Do you like this song? I go, yeah, it was a Hillsong United song. If anyone knows who Hillsong United is, they're from Hillsong Church, which is a giant church out in Australia. Hillsong United is their youth band, and a lot of the songs that we sing here on Sunday mornings are written by Hillsong United. I go, yeah, it's beautiful. It makes me want to cry. He goes, yeah, that's my sister leading the song. No way. Crazy successful, right? But we all know people that are like that. Maybe even at some point, you or I, were successful in in some way or another. Maybe it was a sports triumph. Maybe a job promotion. Some kind of brush up with fame. Maybe a recognition. So all of us kind of know what it feels like to be successful in one area or another. But before we go any further, I'd like us to open our Bibles to Romans 12, verse 1. This is a pretty popular passage, I would say, in the... Christian community. It's one of the more popular passages for worship leaders because it uses the word worship in it. So worship leaders will say this one all the time. Let me read it to you. Therefore, everybody there? Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But then verse three goes on to say, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Today, we're going to focus on that last part, verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, so much has already gone on this morning. Uh, This is definitely not a normal service, but I pray That there would never, ever be just a normal service here at LifeSpring. That we would always be open to your supernatural move of your spirit. And we would come out of each service, Lord, changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change us today, Lord. We're open to what you'd have to do in each one of us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I became a pastor at the age of 24 I was serving at the, as the music pastor at a fairly large-sized church. We were at about 1,100, 1,200 people every weekend. We had four services every weekend. And when you get put into that kind of position at a young age, it's, it's kind of easy to kind of feel like you've made it, like you've arrived. Get a little swagger, a little attitude, right? What foolishness now when I think about it. But pride begins to rise. Why? Because in so many ways, I was successful, But as I look back at it now, almost eight years later, though I put together over a thousand successful services that looked great and sounded great, sometimes I questioned the significance I was having during those times on those around me. Now, to be fair to myself, God was moving in and through me and lives were being changed. And that church is an amazing church. It was and is and will continue to be an amazing place full of God's presence and power. But I just know that there were times when what I did on the outside, it might have looked very successful, but it lacked anything of significance. It might have looked successful, but on the inside lacked significance. I'm talking about two different things, success and significance. What's the difference? Well, go to your notes. Success focuses on external things. It's all about how you appear to others. While significance focuses on eternal things, it's about how you appear to God, how God is changing your life on the inside, and how God is using you to change the lives of others. Now, sometimes there exists a gap between what we look like on the outside, what people see us as, and who we really are on the inside. You know what I call that? We're faking it. You ever been there? (laughs) We all do this from time to time. We play the game where we try to look all shiny and pretty on the outside while we're rotting away on the inside. Ever feel that way? I grew up in a church where I thought that's just what you did on Sunday mornings. You dressed to impress. You wanted the people around you to look like you had it going on, where they might even want to be like you, talk like you, and walk like you. But the whole time, guess what? You were faking it. And we all do this. Why? Because we want to look successful. We want people to see us and to view us of having it going on. We collect our trophies. We put them in our trophy room. We earn degrees, hang certificates, put them on the wall. We buy nice things, nice cars, nice homes, nice clothes. We get on the church board. We belong to the Chamber of Commerce. We usher at church. We teach Sunday school. We lead a Bible study. We join the worship team or we even get up here on a Sunday morning and preach. We pray out loud, we quote Bible verses, and we tithe our income. We look good. We look really good. We look successful. Now, what's wrong with that long list that hopefully has offended all of us by now? (laughs) Nothing is wrong with that list. If I went uh, through each thing that I just listed, those are all good and wonderful things. But the danger lies in believing that we're significant simply because we do those things. We believe that we're something special because of our degrees and our titles. We believe that lives are being changed because in our church we have these amazing special programs. Or we believe that we've earned God's favor because we pray frequently. We read our Bibles regularly. We give generously and we volunteer willingly. Because we look like a success, we believe we're significant. But one does not equal the other. There is a difference, there is a huge difference between looking good and being good. And God sees the difference. You can't fake it with God. When we're faking it, we become consumed with the external appearance, become completely focused on what what we want to do externally instead of being consumed by what God would want to do eternally. We run into the danger of following after, listen up, and seeking the praises of man instead of hearing the voice of God. We are in the danger of trusting the power of success instead of trusting the power of God. We are in danger of becoming, my friends, modern-day Pharisees. Think about the Pharisees during the time of Jesus. They looked good. I mean, nowadays, as we read our Bible, they actually look horrible because Jesus has a lot of bad things to say about them. But at the time, they looked good, right? They, they prayed, they studied Scripture, they tithed, they kept the rules, they were the leaders respected, and successful. But they weren't significant. They weren't changing lives because the power of God hadn't changed theirs. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. This pastor, uh, his name was Sherwood Carthen. And he spoke about Pharisees and he said this. It's good. Memorize this one. He said, they weren't filled with the Spirit because they were too full of themselves. I love that. And it's so true. When you and I are too full of ourselves... Guess what? It's impossible to make room for God and for his Holy Spirit to fill us up and to change us. It's the truth. And Jesus had some things to say to these Pharisees. Have you read Matthew 23 lately? There are some harsh words in Matthew 23. He has choice words for them. He calls them blind guides and hypocrites. Verse 25, Jesus states, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. He goes on to say that the Pharisees are like a whitewashed tomb, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, full of dead men's bones. Now, that's not good. (laughs) That's not good. I don't think any of us would want to be called by Jesus Um, Beautiful on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. It's not good. But whether you and I want to admit it or not, all of us in this room are susceptible and very capable of picking up that same pharisaical attitude. Where we become consumed with the outward appearance, with our personal, professional, and religious success being our main concern. When we become consumed by the external things, guess what? We become so full of ourselves... That there's no room on the inside to be filled with the Spirit. And this is not good. This is not good. So we're going to go back to Romans 12. We read it at the beginning. And I want to read it again. This time from the New Living Translation. Paul says, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith." God has given you Now that passage is an incredible passage if you continue to read he talks about us being the body of Christ and how there's many gifts in the body of Christ it's a very encouraging and positive passage of scripture but before he gives us this warning i figure if in the bible it says i gave you this warning we should take it as a warning <laughs> don't think you are better than you really are who's writing these words don't think you are better than you really are The Apostle Paul. He's writing this from experience, isn't he? There was a time when he was once a very proud and successful Pharisee. This was back when people knew him as... Anyone remember who Paul was before he was Paul? When he was Saul. In this community, he is a rising star. He describes himself in Philippians chapter 3 as being circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, he was faultless. On the outside, he was looking good, really good. But on the inside, he was opposing what God was doing. Whew. Opposing what God was doing. In fact, in the book of Acts, it tells us that he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. But think about it. He was successful at the time in the Jewish community. And his success had blinded him to the things that God was doing in and through these amazing Christians that he was persecuting. But as you and I know, God gets Paul's attention, right, on the road to Damascus. The rest is history. We don't remember Paul as Saul, the guy who was successful as a Jewish leader persecuting the church. No, we remember the apostle Paul as a man who gave up all of that to live a radical life For the Lord. This is a man who later would say, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and he gave up his life for Jesus. Paul began to live a life of significance. And today, I believe for each and every one of us that God wants to get our attention that we might live a life of significance as well. I want to read a story from the book of Acts. It's a couple of chapters before uh, this Road to Damascus story. And it's about a guy named Stephen. And from this story, I'd like to give us three keys to living a life of significance. As you recall, the book of Acts recounts the birth of the church. If you haven't read it lately, read it. I've I've kind of been going through it uh, when I heard that this transition would be taking place. It's an exciting book, right? The Holy Spirit has been poured out, out at Pentecost, and people are being healed. Miracles are taking place. The church is growing, In chapter 6, they address this growth of the church. And it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So at this time in church history, the church was entirely Jewish in its composition, right? Because this is before the conversion of Paul, before Paul goes to do his ministry to the Gentiles. So here are the Grecian Jews... ...who were born in lands other than the Holy Land... ...who are complaining against the Hebraic Jews... ...those Jews who were born in the Holy Land... ...and they're complaining about their widows... ...that they're not getting taken care of... ...and being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the disciples have to do something. They come together and they have a meeting. In verse 3, they say this... "...Brothers, choose seven men from among you... ...who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom... ...we will turn this responsibility over to them... And we'll give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. A huge responsibility. They need people who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Chapter 6, verse 5 tells us they chose Stephen. Listen up, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Notice the Bible doesn't say they chose Stephen, a man who was very good looking, charming with the ladies, who was a successful businessman, who knew how to build a crowd and told really funny jokes. No. It doesn't say that at all. He was chosen because he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. We get, it's just a side note, we get what matters to God so messed up in church sometimes. We just get it mixed up. We think one thing matters, but really what God cares about is the heart that is wholly surrendered to him, who is full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So because of this, he was given a position of responsibility, not because of what he looked like on the outside, but because of the qualities he possessed on the inside. And that leads me to the number one key to living a life of significance. Be full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power, that he did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. But opposition arose from Jews in the area, if you know the story. But the Bible tells us they couldn't stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. That caught my eye. Interesting. If, if he would have been picked by the disciples because of his good looks or maybe his business savvy, he would have crumbled against their opposition. But because he was picked because of his faith and because he was full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they could not stand against him. That passage fires me up. I want this so bad and I want this for our church to be a church that's so full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about both of these issues. On the issue of faith, Hebrews eleven six states that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right. I'll say it again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And addressing this issue of the Holy Spirit Paul writes in Ephesians 5:15 through 20, one of my favorite passages. Be very careful, another warning. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. My friends, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I promise you that if you put your faith in God and seek His Holy Spirit to daily fill you, you will be a difference maker in your family, in this church, and in our community. All right, back to the passage. Even though they couldn't stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke, this didn't stop these men. So they came up with a plan to bring Stephen down. They accused him of speaking blasphemy against Moses and against God. And he's brought before the Sanhedrin, the high court of the Jews. And they produced false witnesses to testify against Stephen. Can you imagine this scene? I mean, from my perspective, what has he done wrong? I just told you this incredible list of all the things he's done right. He was a man full of God's grace and power who did great wonders and miraculous signs amongst the people. And where does this end him up? Right in the middle of the Sanhedrin in front of 71 angry men. And I'm sure it would have been easy for Stephen to just stand there and say, you know what? I'm just going to say what they want me to say. He could have renounced his faith in Jesus. He could have said, you know, I've I've been preaching about this Jesus guy, but but I've learned my lesson. And, And he really doesn't mean that much to me. In fact, I'm actually kind of excited about going against the Christians. And if Saul needs help persecuting the church, count me in. But he would have been a coward. He would have been a coward if he would have said that. He could have succumbed to the pressure and been a crowd pleaser and said what they wanted him to say, but he doesn't do that. And it leads me to my second point. The key, second key to living a life of significance is to live for God and not the praises of man. Stephen understood this principle well. I know it can be tempting to go against your beliefs in order to be popular, to be well liked, to be accepted. But we've got to learn from Stephen. I would say this many of us struggle from PPS, people pleaser syndrome. <laughs> we just do. I know as a young worship leader, I wrestled with this. You see, the thing about music is that everybody has a musical preference. It's the reason why there's so many radio stations on the dial. People like different styles of music. As a worship leader, you will never, ever make everybody happy with the mu- music that you pick. I remember, this cracks me up, but one Sunday, this happened on the same day. Somebody came up to me and they said, Hey, I just want to really thank you. This wasn't at our church, just so you know. I want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you for singing a hymn. Same day, someone comes up to me and goes, you know, I really dislike those hymns, and I wish you would do more new songs. On the same day, I mean, you just can't please people. It blew my mind. I went to Mary. I go, what do I do with that? That's unbelievable. But uh, the reality is, early on in my worship leading experience, I was, I was really tossed in that ocean, to and fro, in that ocean of trying to make everybody happy. And the reality is when you're a people pleaser, you never have peace. I know that. I've felt that. The lack of peace when you're trying to make everyone happy. But as I matured in my worship leading and as I matured in my faith, I realized the only person I should be concerned about pleasing is God. And so now when you ask me that question, I don't mind you asking me that question about music. You'll probably always get the same answer. It goes something like this. You know, Thank you for your comment. Thank you for your suggestion for music. I care about that. But I want you to know that I take the process of song selection very seriously. And you can always be confident that I'm on my knees in prayer, speaking in tongues, worshiping God every week before I pick our set. I never select songs flippantly or as an afterthought. Afterthought, I care about this church and the worship times. And hopefully I am being led by the Spirit of God. And guess what? When I started choosing songs based on the leading of the Holy Spirit instead of trying to please various members of the congregation, worship changed. At Life Center, it just changed. The times that, uh, worship times at church be- became much more powerful and impactful. And I would say they became much more significant because I was living for God and not the praises of man. So back to Stephen. Here he is. He's before these 71 angry men, right? And he does not compromise. He does not waver in his faith. In fact, he publicly uh, professes his faith in Jesus. And he gives to the Sanhedrin what I would call one of the most amazing speeches I have ever read. And I'm so thankful that it's in the Bible. Because in this speech, he talks about Abraham and how he became the father of uh, Isaac. And how Jacob had a son named Joseph. He describes the life of Moses and how Moses led his people out of Egypt. Then he talks about David. Then he talks about Solomon. He describes the giants of our faith, like he was talking about the giants Of intellect. Uh, Here, Stephen is talking about the giants of our faith. And then he says in verse 51 You stiff necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. What does that even sound like? What must have that looked like for them to gnash their teeth at him? Furious. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit... Pay attention. He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. Again, can you imagine this scene? They all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That's an amazing statement, by the way. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Stephen died. And in your notes, number three... The key to living a life of significance is to keep your eyes on the prize. Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus. In the midst of extreme persecution, when no one was around to rescue him, it wasn't a movie where just at the last second someone swoops in and saves the day. No, when no one else is there to help him out, when he's all by himself, we are told that he looks up to heaven. What a powerful scene. In dire circumstances, but it does not matter because he knew who he belonged to. He belonged to Jesus and he knew where he was going. He was going to heaven. He knew there was a reward for his faith. We can only begin to live lives of significance like Stephen when we gain the assurance that we are going to go to a better place when this life is over. If you don't have that this morning and you're just living for this world, guess what? You're going to feel the pressure of this world You're going to feel the pressure to cheat, to steal, to lie, all so that you can gain all that this world has to offer. But if you can come to understand this is only the beginning and that Jesus has made a way for you to have eternal life, then you can let go of the things of this world. You can stop living in fear and worry and doubt. Instead, you can live with joy and peace and live in freedom that is found in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing about Stephen. He died. He he died. In terms of success, I don't see him as being that successful. He died, right, before he could really get his ministry going, even get it off the ground. Pretty quickly after he's chosen by the disciples, he dies within two chapters. But Stephen, mm, Stephen, he lived a life full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And he lived not for the praise of man, but for God, and he kept his eyes focused on what really mattered. And because of that, forever and ever and ever and ever, he will be significant. Continue to read. Chapter 8. Listen to this. this. This is incredible. On that day, on that day, if you have your Bibles open, circle, underline, highlight. On that day. So the day that Stephen died, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the uh, apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Jump down to verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So on that day, a great persecution broke out. It caused an incredible expansion of the church. Philip goes down to Samaria. So many people accept the word of God in Samaria that they send Peter and John down there to join him. Christianity spreads eastward to Damascus, right, where Saul is about to have his conversion experience, where he becomes Paul. Some disciples, they shoot up north all the way into Antioch, while others journey westward to Cyprus. By the end of the book of Acts, where's Paul? We all know he's in Rome, the Roman Empire. He gets to spread the good good news of Jesus through the whole entire Roman Empire to provinces as far as Africa and Europe. So my brother in Christ, Stephen, did well. And he will always be significant and he will always be remembered. And I want that for us. I want that today for each one of us. We waste so much of our time on this earth trying to be successful in the eyes of man. We all do it. And and don't get me wrong. My message today isn't to tell you not to be successful. In fact, I can guarantee you, we got some crazy talented people in this room. Many of you will be huge successes in life. And I want you to embrace that. Use your authority and your position and your titles and your trophies to glorify and honor God. Don't be afraid of success. But successful or not, may you always live a life of significance. I want to close with this. Where are you at with all this? Have you been faking it? Are you like that whitewashed tomb that looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you know, you're full of dead men's bones? Have you been consumed by looking good and earning the praises of man instead of being consumed by the things of God? Like Paul said, be honest in your evaluation of yourself because there's no faking it with God. Now, regardless of how you came in today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how you would answer those questions that I just asked. But regardless of how you came in today, you can leave changed by the Holy Spirit. Regardless of how you came in today, there's tremendous hope in this room. Tremendous hope. And hope has a name. Its name is Jesus. In fact, First Peter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, what that verse is telling us is that our God has been gracious to us. He's shown us great mercy, and he has given us new life in Christ Jesus. It's available today, new life in Christ Jesus. Because of this great mercy, you have the opportunity today to live for something that matters, to live a life of significance. And if that's stirring in your heart right now, whether you're a Christian or you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior yet. If that's stirring up within you, wanting to live that life of significance, even if it causes you to get stoned. But where you actually live for something that matters, where you're not wasting your life on futile things, building your own kingdom that someday will fall, my friends. I don't care what your kingdom is. If it's your kingdom and not of God, it will crumble. It will not last. If we're consumed by building our own kingdoms and not the kingdom of God, today God would love to work on your heart and to change that. And instead have you live for His kingdom, for something that lasts, for something that's eternal. So I'd like to pray for you. Okay? Would you bow your heads? And as I said that, I I felt like the (laughs) the Lord said to pray for the empty seats as well. That there are people in our community that God has made and designed to do great things for the kingdom of God that need to be here that need to be a part of his team and a part of what he's doing here in Edgewood. So I pray, I just want to be faithful to pray that as well, Lord, that we pray for those that aren't here. But uh, over each one that's here this morning, Lord, I do pray just that we could live for something that matters, that we would stop wasting so much time trying to look good amongst our peers but instead be good (laughs) instead be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the things of the Spirit to rise up within us if you don't have the assurance of eternal life and you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning I want to give you that opportunity God loves you he loves you so much Son, Jesus, was sent to this earth by God to bring his Father glory, but also to forgive us of our sins. And whoever would confess and call him Lord and Savior, he is just to forgive us our sins. If you would like to have a new life in Christ Jesus, if you would like to have that forgiveness of sins where you could live the rest of your days on this earth for something of significance, something that matters, and have the promise and the assurance of eternal life, would you just look up at me? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. for the rest of us I don't care how you've been living I'm not going to get bogged down and weighed down by all the things that you haven't done for God (laughs) instead I want to believe for all the things that you're going to do for God and even if your priorities have been maybe just a little bit out of alignment today God would actually love to just shatter that list of priorities (laughs) And and just be your only priority. (laughs) That's what God wants from you. He wants your everything. He doesn't just want part of you. He doesn't want to just be a part of your life. He wants to be everything. And so if you're a Christian here today that has been compartmentalizing your faith and just talking to him or walking with him when it's convenient, um, I just pray over you that today is a new day. Put your faith in power of Jesus the finished work of Calvary um, and walk do something for the Lord relax (laughs) no condemnation no guilt no shame there's freedom in Jesus Jesus didn't die so you'd feel bad about yourself he died so that you could walk in freedom yes you're a sinner but he knew that before he sent his son (laughs) did you know that? (laughs) while yet we were still sinners Christ Jesus died for us So it's not about how good you are. It's about how great and mighty our God is and how much he loves us. So, Lord Jesus, we do put our faith in you. We pray that you would move by the power of your spirit, that we would be a church that is full of faith, full of your spirit, that we wouldn't try to impress the church up north or the church down south or the church on the east or the west, but we would be what you have created us to be, God, that we would be a unique organism we would be a special place to be, a joy-filled place, full of your peace and your hope. I thank you for LifeSpring. I thank you for the prophecies that have been spoken over this church. I, I thank you for the first time Randy came and told me that he saw LifeSpring as being a lighthouse. I pray that that would be true, Lord. That those that are lost and need to find their way would see a beacon of light Amen. in this church that light would have a source Jesus Christ hallelujah